Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 14. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Thank you, Stephanie. Good morning. Imagine with me if your banker called you and said, someone who dearly loves you has decided that they are going to deposit money into your account every day. They're going to deposit uh, 86,400 pennies every day into your account. Let's try to calculate that. I'm waking you up early. Let's see, how much is that? $864 a day going into your account. But there's a stipulation with it. That every day that you receive the money, you must spend the money in that day. There is no rollover. You'll lose it if you don't spend it, and so you must spend it. And so upon receiving this word about this person who loves me that's, that's depositing this money, you start to think about, well, what does this look like? What, is it, what are the actual numbers It ends up being about $6,000 a week. It's almost $315,000 a year. How am I going to spend the money? Are you thinking about it right now? How would you spend it? Would you spend it on you? Would you spend it on others? What does that look like for you? But that money is given, and each day you must spend it. So there would be intention, went there? There would be a lot of thought. How can I do this? How can I be diligent in figuring out how to make use of this money? Now let's go to real life. Not imaginary world anymore. Although that would be nice. Imagine that there is a God who loves you, and there is. And that He deposited into your account every single day 86,400 seconds. That's 1,440 minutes. That's 24 hours a day. A gift to you to be used every day. 
There is no rollover. You lose it if you don't spend it that day. Well, time is ticking away. How are we going to spend this time that God has given us? Time is, is significant, isn't it? Because it's, it's rare. You don't, get to, you don't get to repeat it or relive it. It's not back to the future. There is no instant replay, although we often would like that in our lives. And so as we go through Ecclesiastes 3 this morning, as we look at time, what I hope we'll see together as we hear from the preacher, Solomon, trying to draw us together to worship God, is that we will, we will see that our God is sovereign over time, that his hand is upon it, that he's right in the middle of it, that he's given it to us with incredible value. It's a gift to each of us. But that God is a God of time. Nothing's out of his control in his timing. And the other thing that I hope we'll see together is that as God gives us time, he gives it to us with incredible purpose. That he wants to use our lives in these 24 hours a day that we have and these minutes that we have each day with significance for his kingdom. And I hope the Holy Spirit will will minister to you, God, how do you want me to use your time? You have purpose for my life. And so I'm asking you, teach me, show me how to use time. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that for us this morning. I pray that you will reveal uh, how you want uh, us to use time. Each day is so precious. has so much value to it. And so, Lord, uh, minister to us this morning. We thank you that you are in control of time, that your hand is upon us that you're in the middle of everything, every minute, every second that goes on. And we thank you for your power, your sovereignty, your love for us in each day. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Well, Solomon is, is right in the middle of trying to understand God. He's been dealing with, with just searching after life without God, really. And he's bringing it to us, and he's given us his example of his life journey, as I sought to, to find fulfillment and satisfaction, uh, as I sought to, to find that, I found that I was totally empty. It was all vanity. It was all meaningless. It's the idea of it's a vapor. It's smoke. You can't, you can't grab it. You keep trying, but you can't get a hold of it. And so he's trying to figure out the Lord. And in Ecclesiastes 3, we see a little bit of enlightenment of, of who God is and his character in the middle of all of this world that seems like things are just meaningless. And he starts to realize and have appreciation that, that God is sovereign over time and eternity. God is the God of time. Look at three one. There is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time a season, a time for everything under heaven. For in everything there's a season and a time. And look what he, he uses these words here, under heaven. It's a little bit different than we've been seeing uh, many times, and you'll continue to see it. This is life under the sun. 
It's this heavy, burdensome life. It's life. Life under the sun is this, is this horizontal plane. He says, there is a season and a time for everything under heaven. And I think it's a different slant. In Ecclesiastes 5, 2, he says, our God who is in heaven has authority over these things. Our God who is in heaven is, is in charge of these things. That's who our God is. And so what I think he's saying here in Ecclesiastes 3 is, there is a season and a time that is under the authority of our God who is in heaven. God is a God of time. He's not absent from it. He is the giver of it, and he's present right in the middle and sovereign over all of time. God's hand is upon everything, and we see it in the poem. God's character and his, his again, his sovereignty and his completeness. As you go through the poem, it's all these parallel series of related opposites. It's called a merism. Merism is two polarities that, that make up a whole. For example, uh, Genesis 1 says God created the heavens and the earth. Well, what does he really mean by that? The idea is, is God created everything. The whole universe and everything around it that's involved. God created it all. Birth and death comprise the whole human existence. Weeping and laughing speak to all of our emotion. And so as he's laying out the poem, he's giving us the completeness of God. There's 14 lines in this, or two sets of seven. Seven in in Bible uh, numbers is, is the idea of complete or whole or perfect. And so you see, woven throughout the poem, God's complete picture of his character, of who he is, of how he works in the middle of every season and all of time that is given. Do you trust our sovereign Lord that he's in the middle of every season? Are you learning to understand that that there's not a minute that goes by that he's not with you present in whatever season you're facing? Solomon is sort of getting the picture of this. There is a time and a season. And the thing I love about this poem, and as we were singing it and as we were reading it, you start to realize, oh, I can enter in right there. I've gone through that. I've been right in the middle. A time of mourning. time of of really grieving. Things that are scary. I've been right there. I've also been a time of laughing, a time of dancing. And each of us can enter in. And and what happens is, is that Solomon draws us in. This is all of life, all the expanse of life that, that each and every one of us has been able to step into and has been part of at some degree. And he says, there is a season, and that has the idea of it's, it's a predetermined, it's a, it's a fixed time, it has predetermined purpose. And time is used here as time with purpose. Not just time that, that ticks away, but time with purpose. And this is how God is working in the middle of our lives. Simply put, God does everything just at the right time. It's not like the old, old movie. There was an old movie called Heaven Can Wait in which, uh, in which this football star, he, he died and he went to heaven. 
And he shows up in heaven, and, and Warren Beatty played the role, and Warren Beatty says, well, I think you guys made a mistake. I'm not supposed to be in heaven yet. And so the angels go, and they check with God, on the, and they're like, oh, whoops. You actually survived that crash, and we, we took you out, brought you up to heaven. And so they made a mistake, and so they sent him back into another body. Heaven can wait. But you see, with, with our God, there is no mistake on his timing. He is present, and everything that he's doing is for, for his purposes, and our purposes of conforming us into his image. There's a time for everything. You know, as I was reading these seasons... As I was reading the different uh, lines of this, one of the things that I came to as I was, I was going through, I was like, you know what? When there's, a, when there's a time to mourn and a time to dance, when there's a time to tear apart, a time to sew together, in all of these things, for me personally, I'm going, I, I want people with me on this journey. I don't want to go through this by myself. I need people with me through this. And it just drew my heart to, to just thinking about community and our community and how we really do need each other in these seasons of life. We, we want to we go through the hard things together. We need to, each other to go through the hard things together. And we also want to rejoice and celebrate life together, all the beautiful things that we can celebrate. So be thinking in your lives, am I drawing near to community? Because we need each other. Stop trying to to just be outside of community and and enter into these seasons of life one with another. The stories uh, or the lines in here, I wanted to speak to a few of them just that that I've been seeing in life uh, recently. There is a time to give birth and there is a time to die. I was just uh, recently at the at the services, the memorial services for Imogene Rush. Beautiful, beautiful woman, lived a full life, loved Jesus. And it was cool to hear all the stories about how she impacted her community and, and how she impacted uh, those that uh, were around her. And uh, it really was evident that the love of Christ poured out to, to those around her. So she, she went to go see Jesus. And here was the cool thing as I was looking around the room. I'm, see, I'm seeing all of these little children, these little babies. David, David and Jennifer Rush had little Jeremy there and, and New Life. And, and Jonathan and Courtney had Oakley there. And all the other Rushes, it seems like they're making a lot of babies these days. I don't know what's happening with that family, but... But isn't that, the, isn't that the perfect picture of the complete things of life, the seasons of life? And so we could be thankful to God. We're, we're thankful to God for Imogene and her life, and then we're thankful for this new birth. And we see God's hand in the middle of both of those things. A time to build and a time to tear. You know, uh, my uh, in-laws, Tom and Donna Swanson, they live in Loman, Idaho. And many, many years ago, they, they bought a little cabin there that uh, we have spent years together uh, with them and uh, the Alexander family and, and lots of other folks have come up. 
uh, building that cabin. And now they have a wonderful cabin and they have a, they have a barn right next door that's a woodworking shop for Tom. And then upstairs, Donna is a master quilter and she has her quilting shop. And that, that place is, is a revolving door. It's just, it's always, always people are coming and visiting and staying. And as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. That's evident for them. But as you know, that fire uh, came raging through and, and getting very close to, to Loman. So lots of years of building and, and making that thing into a, a wonderful home. And, uh, and then this last week uh, came a time to, to, to tear down. Uh, they, had to, they had to get out. The fire was coming quickly. And so a bunch of friends and family went up there and uh, basically started to pull everything out of the cabin, all, all the things, obviously, that were valuable and meaningful to them, and, and loaded up all these trailers with all their stuff and, and, uh, because they were told, you know, the fire is continuing to come. And uh, they got all that out of there. And then just uh, the other night, they were told, you need to evacuate the cabin because it's still coming down. So they went to some friends, actually, that were further down the road away from the fire uh, to stay with them. And so it was going to be, we thought, a time uh, to tear down. But here's what was so cool. Fire was getting so close, and Tom reported he went out. It was within about 400 yards uh, of their cabin. And the other night, as the fire was coming closer, at three in the morning, Donna hears rain, rain. And all of a sudden, God poured out rain upon that fire and basically stopped that fire. As of right now, they're in pretty good shape and pretty safe for it's not going to burn their cabin. And so now we'll come back a time of building back up again. But see, God's hand in the middle of all that. And the thing that was so cool, and this is, this is where I want us to be as a people as we go through the different seasons. The thing that was so cool, uh, Tom was interviewed on Channel 7, and uh, they were just asking him about it. He's like, you know, no, we don't like it, but you know, we're just asking, we're asking for peace. The cabin is named Serena, which means peace. We're just asking for peace. And, and, he, and he shared just all that God was doing and how many people blessed him and, the, and his cabin and coming to care for them. And he was just giving nothing but glory to God. They, they unfortunately, they cut a lot of that part. But, but his heart and who he is and who Tom and Donna are is, hey, you know what? God's in the middle of all this. We haven't lost our trust in a sovereign God who loves us. Yeah, the fires are coming, but there'll be a season to build again if we need to. That's the thing. God is in the middle. His whole being and person is in the middle of all of this. There is a time. God has his authority, his control. His hand is not off of time. Each and every second, each and every minute, each and every hour. God is a God of both and. Both and. Phil Riken makes a comment to this. He says, we often think of this poem as things that people do. And you know what? It's true, isn't it? These are things that we do and go through. However, the poem isn't limited to the human level. It's activities that are listed here are 
things that God does. Ecclesiastes 3, the verbs are divine actions before they become human activity. And Reichen goes on to say, it's important to see that the completeness of all that God does, the sovereign God who gives order to time, he's not a one-dimensional God. David says, God, in the Psalms, you created my inmost being. Job says of the same creator, you're the one who's numbered our days. Whatever you've set out for us, you've numbered our days. Same God. He's not a one-dimensional God. He's not either or. He's both and. Most of us actually would like a one-dimensional deity, wouldn't we? We like it when it's the love of God gives life or builds or plants. We don't like it when he sets a time for death. And if you're like me as you're reading through this passage, we struggle. We struggle where it says a time to kill, a time to hate, a time for war. You go, Lord, what's that all about? When is there ever a time for that? God, in speaking to Moses in Deuteronomy 32, says, See now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Killing has the idea of responding to the taking of innocent life, what we might call a capital punishment. There's a time. A time to hate Well, what do we know of our Lord? God hates sin. Hates it. It destroys lives. He hates how it tears people apart. Proverbs 6 speaks to all of these things that God hates. And one of the things that he hates the most is a divisive spirit in the body of Christ. Because it totally takes away from everything that he is in his character. A God who is unified in himself. Who loves within the Trinity. He hates it when that's broken because it's so opposite of him. A time for war. Well, we know that in the Old Testament, God called his people Israel to war against the enemies of God. We see that several times. But God went to full war against the enemy, Satan, by sending his son, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom of God, the battle looks so much different now in Jesus Christ. You see, when we go to war for the kingdom, and when we face our enemies, what is the call of Scripture for us? Love our enemies. Love our enemies. Be peacemakers. It's a different battle that we're in when we go to war for the hearts of men. You see, this is kingdom of God battle. It's not dealing with America as a nation going to war. He is a God who is a God who is not just one-dimensional. He is both and. We want a God of love, but it's so hard for us to deal with a God of wrath and what that looks like in our lives. I had a phone call from a gentleman uh, several weeks ago, and he called up, and he was earnestly just seeking the Lord. But he called up with this statement. He said, he said, Pastor Rod, he goes, can you, 
Can you help me? I'm stuck. I need God bigger in my life. And he goes, I thought by calling a pastor, because you're a little more connected with God, maybe you can help me. I said, well, that's your first mistake. But I said, hey, let me take you out to lunch, because I want to see if I can just walk through this with you. And so we started to talk about the love of the Lord, and we started to talk about where he was stuck. And again, I really appreciated our conversation, because he was earnestly seeking the Lord. But he was really stuck. Like he couldn't get beyond some things. And I said, well, we we have to deal with, with our sin, each and every one of us. Because God has to deal with sin. His righteous judgment is upon sin. He can't be in the presence of sin. That's why he sent his son, Jesus, to offer life as we believe upon him and to conquer sin and death. And that's where he went, whoa, whoa, whoa. My God, my God isn't a God of judgment. That's just a burden the church lays on people. It's just a guilt trip that you're trying to lay on me. And then he said, what sin? What sin? And it was, again, it was an honest wrestling, and I appreciated it. But he said, and he said, God's not a God who's going to send me to hell. That's not my God. And I kindly said, well, I don't know what God you're worshiping. Because that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible needs to deal with this. And that's why you're stuck. We want a, we want a one-dimensional God who is just a God of love. And yet, we know that he's a God who deals with sin. And he's a God of wrath against that. But everything is in perfect keeping with who our Lord is. God's timing in all of these things as He steps in, His timing is beautiful and His sovereignty is is beautiful in His timing. Look at verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has put eternity into man's heart so that he can not find out what God has done from beginning to end. There is a time for everything, every season. And what God is doing in the middle of it is he's making it beautiful. He's, he has purpose for it. And beautiful here has the idea that it is, it is good, it is right. He is making things pleasing. He is making everything appropriate in its time. When God takes charge of our lives and when God takes charge of time, Beauty emerges in the middle of that. Beauty emerges. And we need to see God working in the middle of that. You know, one of our favorite verses is Romans 8.28. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for the good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Now the thing about Romans 8.28 doesn't say, and all things are good, does it? Because we know that that's just not true. There's a lot of brokenness. But he does say all things work together. God is doing a work. He's redeeming all of the junk of this world. And he's working it together. And he's, and he's making it good. And it really lines up with Ecclesiastes 3. He is making things beautiful in his time. That's what our Lord is doing with time. Do you trust God for his beautiful timing? Have you had... 
closed doors in your life, a job maybe you wanted, a relationship that you were looking for, and the door just got shut right in your face. And at first you're really angry with the Lord, aren't you? Lord, you know I needed this. I needed this work. What are you doing to me? How come you've brought me to this place? Lord, I don't understand you. And then in his right timing, and it's usually, it's usually I find in my life, it's usually right at that place where you're like, I don't know how to fix this. I have no resources to fix this. It's usually right at that right timing that the Lord opens the door, steps into your life, and heals you, and gives you life, and gives you a new opportunity. And a door opens up, and you realize weeks later, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so much better than I ever could have even dreamed of. God makes things beautiful in his time. Do you trust the Lord for his beautiful timing? The preacher's still struggling. He wants to trust God for his timing. It doesn't really feel good. And he's wrestling with it all because there's eternity in the hearts of men. He is, he is stuck between time and eternity. He's trying to figure it all out. Lord, how are you doing everything? Again, he's in this process, right? I'm going to examine everything. I want to understand. And he's really wrestling and he can't get it. He's stuck in this time-bound world, and there's a huge gap. And he's longing, like you and I do, it's like, Lord, can you play the videotape back on that one? I want to understand what you were doing there. Help me understand how you're working this out. I want to see it. I want to know it. We so desperately want to understand, but the truth is, God's ways are not our ways. The Creator does not allow His creation to be his equal. God is God, and we are not. I kept trying to search to figure it all out. I wanted to understand, but God wasn't revealing that. Do you trust God, even though he's not revealing everything to you, that he's going to make everything beautiful in his time for your lives? He's a trustworthy father, and he will step in. Solomon, again, still wrestling. And he's got this thing in his heart. He's like, he knows there's more. And that's what God has done. He's placed eternity in the hearts of men. And they're longing for more and more and more. Woody Allen says, the universe is indifferent. And so we create a fake world for ourselves. And we exist within that fake world, a world that in fact means nothing at all. And when you step back, it's meaningless. But it's important that we create some sense of meaning because no perceptible meaning exists for anybody. You see, Woody Allen had eternity in his heart. He couldn't figure it all out. And so he made up a whole other reality. And he just dismissed all that was going on. And God is tugging at the hearts of men. And you can stay there stuck. You can stay there frustrated. Or you can begin to trust the Lord who has his hand upon time. That things aren't out of control. And that he has purpose for us. And what happens when you start to see God in the middle of it all, you start to see the second part I want to talk to. God has incredible purpose for your life with his time. It's time for kingdom living. 
time where our hearts and our minds are set upon the things of Christ. In his time, are we now going, Father, I want to know what you have for this time. How would you use me? What do you have for my life? I love, I love following Jesus' example of time. You know, Jesus, Jesus never was at a place where he didn't know what time it was. God always arranged it where the timing was perfect for everything with Jesus. And Jesus always listened to the Father for the timing of things. He's very intentional. Galatians 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? To redeem those who were under the law. Remember everybody in John chapter 7, everybody's trying to kill Jesus. They're trying to throw Him in prison. And it says they're coming after Him. There's a full force. But nobody laid a hand on Him. Why? Because the hour had not yet come. See, God's beautiful purposes and His timing of His Son, Jesus, of His timing in your life, of His timing for the need for a Savior. God's timing is beautiful. Do we trust Him with it? While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus was always redeeming the time. And so for us, we're always asking that question, God, what time is it? What time is it, God? What do you have for me? I want to redeem the time that you've given me. Help me to know. As you talked with your son, talk to me and speak to me how you would have me use these 24 hours. I know there's a little rest in there, but the rest of the time, Lord, I want to be used for your kingdom purposes. Pray to the Father that way. God, what time is it? We want to be using our time wisely. We want to wait upon you, Lord. You know, one of the things as we, as we think about time and as we view time and as we move ahead in God's timing, one of the things that we have to have in our minds, and this sounds a little morbid at first, but... We need to think about the fact that we're going to die. We don't know how much time God's given us on this planet, nor to our neighbors and our friends who don't know the Lord Jesus. Think about the fact that you're going to die. Part of that is dealing with your own stuff. The Lord speaks very often in Ecclesiastes especially that, that we will come, we will face our Lord, and we will face judgment for the works that we have done. We need to think about that. That what we do on this earth matters eternally. The other thing is thinking about dying is that there should be a sense of urgency in how time is being used and how we're living out our life with God's timing. Use it to seek wisdom in these crazy days. Ephesians 5 says, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What he's saying is, I want you to live in such a way, the days are crazy. So make use of the time for the kingdom. You know, we we, we are right in the middle of this upside-down political environment. 
We, we have the opportunity to step into people's lives when they're filled with fear. To step into people's lives when they're confused. To talk about what the peace really looks like. To help them through the fear of these times. Not to stir up debate. Not to cause more quarrel. Ephesians says, that's foolish. Don't live as a fool. Live as one who's wise. Think about the days. The days are evil. Therefore, there's tons of opportunity for you to step right in the middle of that. Are you asking God, God, what would you have me do with your time today? Seeking His wisdom. Speaking forth His truth. And I perceive that there's nothing better for them but to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. We do good not to earn salvation. We do good out of responding to our salvation, the thanksgiving. Here's the beautiful scriptures, Ephesians 2.10. But God has prepared in advance, in advance, good works, beautiful timing of the Lord, good things for you to walk into, to step into. So our responsibility in that is, Lord, would you show me the good works that you want me to step into today? How do you want me to love people today? How do you want me to bring your truth today? And I know one of the things that he wants us to do continually. He's put eternity in the hearts of men. Do you understand, dear friends, There's people all around us, like the gentleman who called me, who are wrestling, wrestling with trying to understand God. Who need a Savior and don't exactly know how that works. And so let us use our time. One of the good things that we can step into and do good is let's share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are millions and millions of people who do not know the love of Jesus. And so ask your father, Father, what do you want me to share with this person today? Because I know you love them so much. And that today is the day of salvation. So Father, use me in the middle of that. I want to redeem the time that you've given me. Are you asking the Father? And are you trusting the Father with his beautiful timing? Time is ticking away. Let's pray. Father, we invite you to be Lord in our lives. And Father, I thank you that you've given us the beautiful gift of time. I thank you that you are sovereign over time. And that you're doing a beautiful work in the middle of it. And Father, we want to be used of you. We want to hear from you and follow you and be obedient. And Father, use us to redeem the time. Use us. Please, Lord, use us. May we have eyes open, stepping into the good works that you have prepared for us. And help us to trust you, Father, in whatever season we're in. And we want to rejoice and give you thanks because your hand is upon us in each and every season. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.